You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, man. Thanks for joining us online. I know it's different not being together in the same room together, but I'm so thankful that you're joining us. Antioch family, friends, and perhaps today's your first time as a guest to be a part of our online worship time, and it means a lot that you've joined us in worship. We're going through right now the chapter 8 of the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 8 will be our place of study today. We're going to look at the scriptures in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through verse 13, and look at the work of the Holy Spirit. How many know what this is? How many know what this is? This is a map or this is an atlas. High school students, you may not know this, but back in the day, this is all we had. We didn't have a phone to give us directions. We had, we had a map. Uh, this last week, my daughter texted me and said her daughter, my granddaughter, had an assignment from school. She's in kindergarten and had an assignment about maps and to talk to a grown-up about how you use a map and uh, what maps, how they help navigate, those kinds of things. There was kind of different questions she had to ask me. And so that's really, that's just right down my alley, man, maps. I'm a big, I'm a big map guy. Uh, maps help give direction. Now, we have our phones that you can put something in there and information and it gives you direction and they'll even talk back to you. But there's something about having a map in your hands. Uh, here a few years ago, we were traveling and on vacation uh, to Colorado and we left later than we wanted to leave that afternoon here in Kansas City. And after we were driving a few hours, the sky began to darken and there was some rain coming and the wind began to blow. And so I thought I better turn on the radio and find out just what's happening, what's going on. And to turn the radio on, they were talking about tornado warnings and all this kind of things happening. And so they were mentioning different uh, even counties that the tornado was coming through. I had no idea, but I had my map. I had my atlas and began to look where these counties were, and they were just north of us. We pulled off in Hayes, Kansas, and spent about an hour there just to get away from the traffic and get away from the tornado coming, and then we made our way on. But the map made a difference. The map made a difference. We think about the phones that we have. We can look on a phone and actually have someone who talks to us and gives us directions. And if you make a mistake and turn the wrong way, they recalculating, recalculating, they have a conversation with you. We think about today the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is more like a navigational system than a map. God didn't send a map. He sent a person. He sent the Holy Spirit. We're looking today in Romans chapter 8, many believe to be the greatest chapter in the Bible. Uh, we're in week number 2 of a five-week series. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 where verse 1 reminds us, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the word therefore is a word that takes us back to chapter 6 and 7, 
and reminds us of our life apart from Christ and this challenge of sin and all those issues that we battle being condemned and to realize now that there's no condemnation. I like the way that verse 1 puts it. Now, no condemnation. The word now is in the present tense. Now. And the word no means no. Condemnation is a word that relates and defines an adverse sentence or a debt or a penalty. There is now no condemnation, no debt or penalty against us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. No condemnation. Now we navigate our way through a passage of scripture that is what I would call a a phenomenal paragraph about the work of the Holy Spirit. There are three truths that surface in this passage about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit empowers you. So if you have your Bible, join me in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through verse 13. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God lives in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness... If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells or lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Use this passage. Use your word to change us, to transform our lives, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. And together, church, we said, amen. Three truths about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit changes you. You'll notice the word flesh and spirit used here in verse number five and in verse number six. Those of the flesh, not the physical body, but the orientation of the world and the influence of the world in our lives. Those who are in the flesh are non-believers, unforgiven. Those who are in the spirit are believers, and are forgiven. And so we came across that term flesh last week. Again, not the human body, not the flesh on our arms or our body. The word flesh here speaks of the world system, uh, the orientation, uh, the influence of the world on our life. 
Here's what the Bible says and how it puts it in 1 John chapter 5, chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Where the Bible says, Love not the world or the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and its desires thereof. But whoever does the will of God will live and abide forever. And so we see how, how the flesh works with our eye gate and with our desires that stir up in our hearts and minds, our passions, and, and how pride affects us with regard to that. When it says here in the passage, to set your mind on the things of the flesh or to set your mind on the spirit, that idea of the mind is not just to, in your mind to think about something. It, it goes deeper than that and talks about a, a preoccupation. Uh, in your mind, it, it talks about a, a focus uh, to be captured by something in your mind. Whatever we're captured by, whatever we put our focus on becomes our focus and gives us our preoccupation and really preoccupies, preoccupies our mind. And so the, the, the mind then refers to this basic orientation, the, the bent of our life and the thought patterns of our of our mind. So. Those who set their minds on the flesh follow after the influence and the orientation of the world and all the desires of the world. To set our minds on the Spirit talks about a believer, talks about one who has the Holy Spirit in our mind. We set our mind on Him. And when we do that, we, we remember our, our privileged position and place in Christ. Uh, that we don't deserve a relationship with Christ uh, by faith in Jesus and when we receive Christ and put him and ask him to come into our life, we are then given the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we, we, we think about what happens because of that. We have forgiveness that we experience. We experience a new life. We become, the Bible says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're forgiven. We experience the love that he has because our mind is focused on what the Spirit of God has done for us. He says in verse 6 here, the Apostle Paul, to set the mind on the flesh is death, physical death and eternal death. But to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace, eternal life and peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This, this peace with God, we don't, we don't deserve it, but we, we get it because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that we're now been justified. It's a judicial term that means we have been made right with God. Nothing that I have done or you have done, but all that God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. In reality, on the cross, Christ became Condemned in our place. I deserve that condemnation. But now we are justified and we have this peace with God. We have the mindset on the spirit. The Bible says here that the mindset in verse 6 or verse 7, for the mindset that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. The word hostile or hostility means animosity or conflict or hatred. 
The mindset of the flesh that is hostile toward God is a mindset of self-will. That, that I'm in charge. That, that self-glory. I, I want to get all the credit. Self-gratification. I want what's mine. I want to jump into pleasure and what the world has to offer me for me. Or self-righteousness. Where somehow I'm trying harder to be better or to be good enough or somehow even try to find some acceptance with God or with somebody else that that self-righteousness or even self-sufficiency where we say, I don't even need God. And so this problem of the I problem, self-satisfaction and gratification and righteousness, again, is a product of the flesh. Verse number eight, a strong verse those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He's talking here about someone who has not put their faith and trust in Christ. They're in the flesh and they cannot please God. What a, what a weight and what a contrast between being in the spirit, which is life and peace, and then being in the flesh and we cannot please God. We have no relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we see here this truth of the Holy Spirit in the dynamic that he changes us. He, he gives us a new direction. He's at work in our lives. We have our mind now set on the Spirit of God and who he is. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That word filled there is a word that means to be controlled or dominated by the Spirit. Just like someone who uh, is with, with alcohol can be dominated or controlled by alcohol and it changes the way we act and how we, what we say and what we do. The Holy Spirit controls us. He's in our life. He controls. Then the Holy Spirit lives in you. Look at verse 9 of the chapter here. Verse 9. You, however are not in the flesh. As a believer, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells or lives in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. The word, phrase, Holy Spirit or Spirit, is only used one time in the first seven chapters of Romans. The word Spirit is used... In Romans chapter 8, alone 20 times, this dynamic of the Spirit of God. You see, the Spirit of God is not an it. The Spirit of God is not a forest. The Spirit of God is a person. We as believers, as Christians believe, we believe in a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it. But as a 16-year-old, when I said yes to Jesus Christ, all kinds of transactions took place in my life. That day, I only knew, I, I got saved, I realized I was a sinner and needed Jesus. But that day, unbeknownst to me, later on I learned it in discipleship, but unbeknownst to me, the day I said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into my life and took up in my life permanent residency. He doesn't come and go. The Holy Spirit is not a visitor. He lives in you. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, just prior to his resurrection. He said to his followers, And I will ask the Father, 
and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That phrase, another counselor means, and the word another means, one just like me. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains in you and he will be with you. Wherever I go, wherever you go, we take the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit changes our life, life and peace in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. We see in verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness. That, that phrase, that, that not only is the spirit of God in us, but, but Christ lives in us. What, what a beautiful picture of Christ and the spirit are one and the same. They are, they are equal. And so the body here represents the physical body. The experience of the penalty of the physical death without the spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in the believer, making our future resurrection a reality. Because we have been made right with God by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Has there been that defining moment for you? Where you put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Faith is to believe and to trust in him and what he did for you. The Bible says, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all sinned and come short of the goodness and greatness of God. And because of sin, we are doomed to an eternal death separate from God. But by his grace, he offers to us relationship, salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. Many of you have maybe done that. You've said yes to Jesus. Perhaps you're watching today and you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life. Today you could call upon his name and he will deliver you. He will save you and rescue you from who you are apart from him. So we see the work of the Holy Spirit. We see the fact that he changes us. That the Holy Spirit lives in us. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us. In Christ, notice in verse number 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds or practice of the body, you will live. You will live. Living according to the flesh, the orientation And the influence of an evil world leads to death. Life in the spirit brings life and it brings peace. And so in verse 12, we are debtors as believers, not to the flesh. So in essence, we we are not under obligation to the flesh. Again, the orientation and influence of the world to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live because of the Holy Spirit. You see, we still, as believers, battle with the flesh. That we, we struggle with that. 
Uh, we see it in chapter 7 where Paul struggles. The things I should be doing, I'm not doing. The things I shouldn't be doing, I find myself not doing. Back and forth is this struggle and this tension. Even as a believer with the Holy Spirit, we can still wrestle against the flesh. We can wrestle against that. John Owen, who was a pastor in the 1600s, an author, he made the statement, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And we, with the Spirit of God, are able to put to death the practices of evil, the, 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 the deeds of the flesh because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We kill Sin in the spirit when we ruthlessly declare war on sin. The Holy Spirit enables us and can teach us and lead us and direct and guide us through all of this. The Holy Spirit can work in our life to help us break free from the oppression of flesh in our lives. We're free from the penalty of sin but we're not free from the, the presence of sin or the power of sin. My wife and I uh, read a devotional together called New Morning Mercies, and today was a devotional that really hit me between the eyes. Paul Tripp says in his writing today, uh, in this reading, he says, It is so easy to be discontent. Do you live a life of blessing or of complaint. It's so easy to find the things that are less than you want them to be. It's so easy to be irritated and impatient. It's easy to groan and moan about the difficulties of life. It is so easy to be dissatisfied. As I read that paragraph this morning, I was hit between the eyes. It just seems the last couple of weeks or more, I've allowed myself to fall into the trap of complaining. I find myself easily frustrated. Well, I can mask it and try to cover it from other people. When I get it home, I become, can become real. I, I've been irritable. I haven't been the, the husband I should be to my wife in a more of a loving way. I've allowed that to happen. I've allowed the flesh to take priority in my life over the spirit in my life. I was challenged by that. He goes on to say, at street level, what we do in wanting our needs and being dissatisfied and irritable and frustrated, it is tempting to live a God-forgetful, meist existence. You see, complaining diminishes God's goodness. Complaining forgets how good God is and the grace of God. And so becoming a Christian doesn't automatically eliminate the flesh, our sinful nature or desires. Let me read a passage with you from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Paul, again, writes this passage. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what sinful nature desires. 
These two forces, our sinful nature and the spirit, are fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And so, Christian, we, we have this struggle. We, we have this battle. I, I call it a tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. Who am I going to give into, the flesh or the spirit? And it's easy for us, if we're not careful as a believer, to become attracted to that, to be overcome by the flesh. And we feel this tension. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and who empowers us. That same passage goes on to name specific issues of sin, greed and selfishness, sexual improprieties, hatred, Jealousy, all these things are listed as of the flesh. And then he makes this list in verse 22 about the fruit of the Spirit. That is love, joy, and peace, patience, goodness, and kindness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so as a believer, we experience that tension and that tug of war of the flesh and of the Spirit. Paul had that same struggle. And I say the Apostle Paul, who was the most prolific writer of the New Testament, struggled with the flesh. You and I are going to struggle with the flesh. I'm not talking about an unbeliever. I'm talking about a believer with the spirit who lives in us. We still live in this world and we still have the desires of the flesh, the worldly orientations and influence. But by the spirit of God. We can fight against it. We can say no. We can lean on him and his control. We can confess our sin and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So as believers in Christ, we, we have the Holy Spirit, but we still have this battle with the flesh. When the Apostle Paul, for the most part, closes out a book that he penned under God's leadership and inspiration, almost every time he mentions men and women who helped him do what he could do as a church planner and missionary. There's one in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, a man by the name of Demas, where he says this about Demas. This was a close friend and partner in ministry. It is said of Demas, Demas is in love with this present world and he has deserted me. What a tragedy. What a a wasted life to once be engaged as a Christ follower in serving and living and making a difference in the lives of others. But now desertion. He has deserted me. And you know what, church family, before Demas deserted, Demas drifted. Are you in that drifting pattern today? Do you find yourself drifting away from the things of God, from the truth of his word, drifting to the attractions of what this world has to offer us visually by way of the Internet, by way of Netflix Amazon Prime, and you just list a whole, just a gauntlet of things that are just can take our attention. And again, there's nothing wrong with watching certain things, but 
We've got to be careful, church, what can capture our mind. And if we're not careful, we as believers can live in a way that demonstrates hostility toward God and what he's done for us in the person of Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit in our life. And so by the Spirit of God, we are in this process of transformation. We're in this process of life change. The Bible calls it sanctification. The word sanctified means to be set apart. That as believers, that by God's grace and the work of the Holy Spirit and the finished work of Christ, that we, we are different now because of what God's done for us. So we, we, are, we are set apart. Are we perfect? No. Do we struggle? Yes. Is there a tug of war between the flesh and the spirit? Yes. It's ongoing. It, it never eases up. I'm, I'm 63 years old now. I, I battle with that as much as I did as an 18-year-old. We never get free from that. But we have the Spirit of God who lives in us. We have the Word of God that leads us and directs us and controls us. This process of the Holy Spirit working in my life and your life to make us more and more like Jesus and to change our life. Where Ephesians 4, 1 says, as a believer, that we would walk worthy of our calling. That we are now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the work of the Holy Spirit to change us. So, so don't resist the Spirit. Don't, don't fight against or try to repress the Holy Spirit. Let Him have His work in our life. I'm so thankful today, as I just even read that paragraph in the devotional this morning, how the Spirit of God, you know, my wife didn't have to say something to me. The Spirit of God just spoke to me. And at that moment, after we read that, I had to confess to my wife, I apologize for my irritability and for my frustrations. And to confess that that's the Spirit of God at work in my life, just like He's at work in your life. The Spirit of God changes you. The Spirit of God lives in you. Imagine that. The, the day you said yes to Christ, He, he lives in us. And, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our down payment. That He, that he secures us in Christ. That we, we can't even lose our relationship with Christ because the Holy Spirit seals us. As you had taken a first century signet ring and a document and just sealed the deal. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are eternally secure in Him. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes, Christ says, give me all of you. I don't want a certain amount of your time, a certain amount of your talents and money, or a certain amount of your work. I want you, all of you. Give me yourself, and in exchange, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. God wants our life. Jesus Christ paid for our life. The Spirit lives in us. Thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit. And today, Christian, be encouraged by that. Stay in the game. In all of this, realize there's no condemnation to you. We are free in Christ. But in that freedom, we experience the challenge of the orientation and influence of the world. It bombards us on a daily basis 
over and over and over again. Look to the Spirit of God to empower you. If you've never put your faith in Christ today, this very moment, you can say, God, I believe in you. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I right now ask Jesus to forgive me. Come into my life and give me new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank You for the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank You, God, when we battle against the flesh, our desires, the wants, the influence of this world that God, the Spirit of you is at work in our hearts and lives. Thank you for the convicting work of the Spirit. We see that in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and, and righteousness, all the things that He works in our life and heart. We thank you for that. And Father, for those right now who a moment ago made that prayer, And put their faith in Jesus Christ. God, draw them to yourself. Remind them of your goodness and of your grace. We thank you so much for who you are, your faithfulness. You are entirely faithful. It's who you are. It's your character. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God. You live in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.